Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hi and welcome to Realty Talk, your property hub's go-to place for property investment insights, inspiration and stories from Australia's top property experts, leaders and analysts. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance, and given the focus of this week's show, it's easy to see that we're actually living in pretty taxing times. Property analyst Pete Wardgett kinks, kinks things off by unpacking the Victorian government's recent land tax changes and how they'll impact you and the property in the Garden State. With upwards of 35% of potential rental properties being contaminated by illicit substances, my offsider, Kevin Turner, then talks with David Pye from Australian Meth Alerts to reveal what this may mean to you and your property. And to close out the show, leading property accountant Tony Dutton from Concept Accountants reveals what the tax officer's open access to your banking information and the crackdown on property investors means to you. Now, before we get underway, I need your help by taking a couple of seconds now to subscribe to the Property Hub wherever you're enjoying the show to ensure that we continue to attract the best of the best guests so we can keep giving you the winning edge. We've got lots of insights to share, so let's get underway. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. KnowHow has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Victorian State Labor Government's recent budget has introduced a raft of increased taxes on businesses along with land tax reforms as a means of recouping their $31.5 billion expenditure that they incurred during the COVID pandemic. With changes coming into effect from January 2024 and expected to last for about 10 years until mid-2033, this tax impost is estimated to affect about 860,000 Victorian investors and recoup about $4.7 billion in just four years. So exactly what are the proposed land tax changes and what impact will they have on you, property owners and property investment in general? To unpack all of this so that you can make some sense of it, we're joined by a regular guest and industry veteran, Pete Wardgett, one of, the, one of Australia's leading buyers, agents and real estate experts, as well as being a multiple published author and all-round property and investment guru. So welcome back to the show, Pete. Thanks, Bushy. An industry veteran these days, that came around quick. I used to be a promising youngster and now I'm a veteran. So uh, life comes at you fast, as they say. Mate, I'm a, an old and decrepit senior, mate. So you, you've still got some distance to run yet. Mate, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> mate uh, digging into this uh, interesting subject, and we're seeing uh, a lot of this stuff happening with various state and federal governments in recent times, as, as sort of knee-jerk reactions to the exercise. But to kick things off, mate, but what are the changes that are being made to Victorian land tax? And probably just as importantly, why are they being made as you say it? 
Well, the reason is clear enough. It's um, a state budget drowning in debt. Um, it's been an issue for some years. New South Wales tackled similar challenges with asset sales. Um, in Victoria, a state which had very long lockdowns, as you'd recall, um, uh, they're looking to recoup um, some of the, the debts and deficits with an increase to land tax rates. Um, so that's, uh, as you mentioned, from 1 January 2024 is the proposal. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things coming uh, down the chute there. So uh, increased land taxes uh, for some existing owners, but also they're broadening the scope. So it will capture more people, uh, particularly people with investment properties and holiday homes. Yeah, it's certainly uh, a bit of a, a tax grab, that, that's clear. So uh, what will this mean for both homeowners and residential property investors then? So uh, first, um, well, there's two things. There's an in increase to land tax rates, um, so 0.1% for people with um, land of a taxable value over 300000 or a bit less if you're in a trust uh, ownership structure. Yep. Uh, but there's also additional fixed charges for people with a taxable value from $50,000 upwards. So there's a whole load of investors there who previously weren't captured uh, and now will be paying land tax. So there's an increase in the land tax rate, but also more people will be paying fixed charges as well. And a lot of investors who previously had no land tax will be paying it for the first time. So uh, in terms of what it means for the market, um, there's a bit of a cyclical thing going on if you've got a very tight rental market like you have in melbourne and victoria at the moment then those costs will be passed on to renters i think at another stage in the cycle that's harder for landlords to do but as we all know we've got record population growth at the moment and there was absolutely nothing in the budget to boost supply so i think you could probably deduce from that that rents are going to go up um, especially in melbourne i think with uh, international students and migrants coming back and a very tight rental market yeah, very interesting exercises there. I'd, I love your thoughts on, uh, given that there's a lot more property investors now being borderless in their approach and, and looking beyond their backyard to opportunities in the state, uh, what are property investors likely to do as a result of this when it comes to Victoria? I think, um, I mean, these changes haven't even come in yet. We've already had clients um, raising this subject for discussion. As I think some existing investors will look to sell. I think um, we've had rising mortgage rates. We've seen uh, changes to tenancy rules, which make life a bit harder for landlords. And now we've got rising land taxes. So some existing investors may sell. Um, but I think for prospective or new investors, uh, I think a lot will um, opt to invest in other states, uh, notably Queensland, where prices are kind of equivalent, but also some of the other states as well. And um, I think some of the other investors may just look to increase their rents to offset the rise in land taxes. Um, so as you mentioned, these days, there's more people invest with a borderless mentality. Um, so yeah, it just makes Victoria less competitive in that respect now. And um, of all the states, Victoria has the largest population growth. So it's pretty tough um, to see how the rental supply is going to keep pace. Absolutely. So do you see that flowing on uh, into the Victorian property market in terms of uh, what people will do as far as location, price points and property types are concerned, or is that uh, perhaps taking it a bit too far? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I mean, generally uh, rising rents will tilt the buy versus rent equation and it tilts towards buying. Even though mortgage rates have gone up, um, people don't like seeing their rents going up 20, 25. We've seen in some cases rents going up even more than 25%. Um, and 
Uh, at the moment, there's no real sign of that changing. So you'll probably see more competition at lower price points. Um, and I just think, um, yeah, it's just not it's not a comfortable place to be as a tenant at the moment. So, um, yeah, there's, there's some talk about whether there might be other uh, forms of housing supply coming, things like build to rent and so on, but it's all so far down the track. That I think a lot of tenants are just sick of uh, rising rents, can't find places to rent. I think one other thing you'll see as well is more people staying at home for longer, more people buddying up or getting a flatmate. Uh, so you probably see the number of persons per dwelling will actually start to rise again, having fallen through the pandemic. Yeah, good call. Well, uh, really yeah, appreciate you coming on to dig into the details of this, Pete. And as always, uh, thanks for your generous time on the show today. Pleasure. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, Pete. Well, I don't know about you, but from where I sit, this is all looking like another knee-jerk, reactive and money-grubbing government initiative that has all the short-sighted hallmarks of cutting off your nose to spite your face by driving investors potentially away from Victoria and pushing existing investors to sell their properties and further worsen rental housing supply and the rental crisis. When are governments going to lift their sights and start treating causes rather than attacking symptoms with half-baked remedies that just make matters worse? Keep watching your Property Hub's go-to place for all things property here on Realty Talk. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. When you're buying a property, a pre-purchase building and pest inspection is the norm. Well, it should be for diligent buyers. But what's usually not considered is whether the property is contaminated by illicit substances. David Pye from Australian Meth Alerts, quoting from a release on the subject by Brisbane conveyancing and real estate law firm Bennett Carroll, the solicitors, says 35% of Queensland properties that have been tested have returned a positive result for illicit drug contamination. Queensland, by the way, is thought to be the most contaminated state in the nation. But the numbers that are being reported are the properties that have been tested. So the question remains, how many are contaminated and have not been tested? David joins me to discuss, to discuss this. David, have you got a handle on just how bad the national result might be? Australia's the worst using meth country in the English-speaking world. Wow. And, and do, do you know how many people are using meth? Are there any figures on this? Uh, they estimate, the Australian Drug Foundation estimate that one in seven five people over 14 years of age have used or are using meth regularly. Mm, I guess this is one of the insidious things about meth is that you don't really know uh, until you get some, some symptoms. So we'll talk about what lawmakers can do to help us here. But first, yep. can you give us an indication, anyone watching this now who, who could be fearful of it, what are some of the indications that you may have meth contamination in the property? Uh, respiratory problems, uh, anger, lack of sleep pattern, regular sleep patterns, um, coughing, uh, anxiety, because you can't smell it, can you? There's no, is there no, no smell or discoloration? No, which 
meth residue contamination, there's, you can't smell it and you can't see it. And that's what makes it a huge, huge mm. problem. It, it's, is contamination or the effects of it worse with kids than it is with adults, would you say? Well, it, it's, it's unproven, but most people that, of, of the, the people that we speak to indicate that the kids, because of their low immune systems and all that sort of stuff, they're walking around contaminated properties and touching it and then wiping their face and all that sort of stuff. And it's, um, it's been written in the Courier Mail previously that uh, about deaths of infants from meth contamination. Now, I understand you did a test just recently with uh, Channel 7, and I mentioned at the intro, and you mentioned it also, that Queensland is probably one of the worst, well, I, well, I certainly mentioned it, one of the worst states in Australia for meth contamination. Have you got any stats from that uh, exercise you did with Channel 7? The exercise we did with Channel 7, we tested 20 properties across Ipswich, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and 60% of the properties that we tested came back to evidence of meth residue existence. Yeah, it's it's quite staggering. And I, I you know, I wonder, well, obviously people come and go out of rental properties and they could there could be meth contamination in there. Does it disappear over time? No, certainly not. What meth, all the precursors associated with methamphetamine attach themselves to different areas in properties, be it curtains, carpets, air conditioning units, door handles, or whatever. And when those precursors are disturbed simply by opening a door or a window or turning air conditioning on, it spreads further into the property. Okay, I'm going to ask you in a moment about responsibility, but before I do that, can you just give me an indication about how we go about finding if a property is contaminated, um, you know, what, and what are the costs involved? Well, simply you've got to test properties. That's, that's the moral thing that they've got to do. Yeah, but, but tell me about tests. How, how expensive are they and how, how easily can I get a hold of one? We've got a patented product that uh, all property managers, landlords, tenants, whatever, can use for a cost of $90 or less. How reliable is your test at $90? It's patented tested. It's, it's been uh tested by all the necessarily necessary uh authorities okay. all right so it's pretty reliable so yes. if i if i did that and i found i had contamination what's the cost the remedial cost depending on the on the size of it but ray white have replied recently in in a document that went to all their franchisees that they've encountered properties that have cost two hundred thousand dollars to remediate now, if you're a landlord, you can't afford $200,000. Who's liable? Is it a landlord? Currently, yes, because it's been unproven in court. But if I was a landlord and my property tested positive, I'd be going straight to the property manager and saying, you know, why, why is this so? And in defence of the property managers, they can't report on something they can't see and they can't smell. Well, okay, let me, let me just jump in here in defence of property managers. Uh, is it really their responsibility anyway? Let's look at the scenario, and I mentioned in the opening about when you buy a property, you've got to get a building and pest inspection done. Now, yep. if the buyer doesn't get one done and then later finds that there's a problem, well, the real estate agent is not liable for that because the onus is on the buyer to have that test done. So shouldn't the onus of that be on the incoming tenant or the purchaser? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all landlords should be asking for their property to be meth tested. But the question is, who should pay for that? I believe the landlords. Yeah, well, I, I guess therein lies the problem, doesn't it? There's got to be a reluctance from property managers to tell an owner that it's going to cost them 90 bucks every time they get a new tenant to get it tested. So it really comes down to the lawmakers to make this mandatory, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just been neglected. It's been pushed to one side. Uh, it, it's wrong. It, it would seem to me to be good practice to do it not only um, when you change tenants, um, but also during the routine inspections. Uh, I mean, exactly. if inspections are happening every three to six months, as they should do, then that would be the time to logically test. That, absolutely. Because you've got to keep on top of the problem. Mm. At the end of the day, if it's only costing you ninety dollars, you know, then then you you, you can sit comfortably. Okay, three months into the mm. tenancy, mm. now it's still clean. It's still the same as it was when they took over the property. Mm. But what happens during a regular inspection? You go in and and if all of a sudden a test positive. Yeah, just just on that point, uh, you know, I've seen some documentation and training for property managers to tell them how to detect if there's a meth lab in a property. Yeah. That's only one part of the problem um, because what about people who are casually using methamphetamine, not necessarily manufacturing it? Oh, the, the, where meth labs are located in properties, that's that's where the really top end of the remediation comes because the place is just ruined. You know, everything's got to be stripped. And, it, you know, and it's easy to, easy to detect where a meth lab's been because the evidence is there. And that's the only way people are identifying meth labs is they walk in all of a sudden or a neighbour tips them in or whatever. And all of a sudden they find a meth lab. But if it's only meth use, you've got to test the property for the, for the residue contamination. This is not the end of the story because I, I think we're going to have to continue to follow this through. You, you've highlighted this for us and now we're more aware of it. What can be done about this? Because there are some really big questions here about who pays and how often it should be tested. I believe that the solution to the problem is property managers should be writing to landlords and suggesting to them that the problem with meth residue contamination in today's society is out of control. And we suggest to you that you test your property for a definitive yes, it's clean, or no, it's contaminated. Now, that, that allows everyone to draw a line in the sand moving forward because the property managers have got issues as well. They're walking in and out of properties on a daily basis and they don't know whether what they're walking into. Mm. So there's a duty of care there too. I wonder, and I'm going to reach out to yeah, the state government in Queensland anyway, just to, to see how aware they are of this. And I'm sure they're very aware of it, but they would have to be one of the biggest landlords in the state. And, and if the problem is that big, then they would certainly have a lot of properties that would be contaminated. So it'd be interesting to know. Have you, have you got a handle on that? Have you got a feeling for that? Yeah, we have. We've tried to speak to the... Queensland government on numerous occasions, only only through this reign of government, but their attitude is all they do is deflect the two meth labs. They don't in any way, shape or, 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 or term take any responsibility or acknowledge methamphetamine residue contamination caused by use only. And they keep quoting in every single correspondence that I've got back, 
they refer to the Residential Tenancies Rooming and Accommodation Act, which deems that a tenant cannot be located in a property that's not fit to live in. Now, if a property is contaminated with meth, it's not, it's not fit to live in, but they won't test it because they've indicated it's, it's too costly. We doubt very much that the Queensland Government have got a testing program in place for methamphetamine residue contamination existence. Where do any anyone interested in following through and maybe doing their own test and getting one of your kits, how do they go about doing that? Just give us the website. Simply contact info at methalerts.com.au. Info at methalerts.com.au. David, I want to thank you very much for your time, mate. I'll come back to you for sure uh, yep. and we'll follow up on this. Thanks, thanks for your time. Good on you, Kevin. Thank you. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au It's fair to say and completely understandable that following the enormous government expenditure and monetary stimulus pumped into the economy during and post-COVID, but the Australian Tax Office, or the ATO, is rightly on a mission to recoup and collect as much tax as possible to reduce our national deficit in moves that the government hopes is going to claw back about $9.1 billion over the next five years. As a result, the ATO has recently announced it will be targeting and cracking down on property investors and landlords, and to support this initiative, the banks are now required to hand over your data. So what does this all mean, and what do you need to be doing to ensure that you don't come under scrutiny or worse still, end up copying significant penalties for incorrect or incomplete reporting. To share some light on this, we're joined by leading accountant and property investment specialist, Tony Dutton from Concept Accounting. So welcome to Realty Talk, Tony. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks for having me today. Mate, uh, looking forward to having a chat. It's a, it's a subject that's sort of got a little bit of press uh, in recent times, but uh, sort of kick things off, mate. Um, can you start by outlining exactly what the ATO is now asking the banks to do and why the ATO is doing this. Yeah, absolutely. The, the ATO are using their powers and they have broad reaching powers, so they can pretty much short of murder do whatever they want. So they're, uh, they're issuing notices to the banks to provide a copy of some information to the ATO and they'll use that information to determine if people are claiming the right amount of interest, predominantly interest that they're after at this stage on property investors' tax returns. I, I think... Based on their published numbers, there's 1.3, 1.5, 1.6 million property investors in Australia. Yeah. Um, and they're just they're just wanting to do a little bit of a check on people to make sure they're claiming the right amounts. Yeah, sounds fair and reasonable. So how will the bank data actually be used by the ATO then? So what, what the ATO do, and by the way, it's not just the banks. Um, this has slipped under the radar, but for the last two or three years, the ATO have been collecting uh, from property managers um, how much is being paid in rent. And they were very clever. They didn't write to real estate companies 
and get the property managers to do it. They put the demand on the software companies that create the software that property managers use. So behind the scenes for two or three years, they have been collecting who's been paying rent and how much they've been paying. What the ATO do is they're building a, uh, a bit of a data bank of information and then they're running random checks. Now, I haven't seen a lot of these random checks, but in the background, we can assume going on that there's uh, information provided by the bank, information provided by tax return. If it doesn't marry up, someone's going to get a please explain letter. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So the the old uh, keeping the receipts in a, a shoebox and chucking it at someone yeah. at the end of the year probably isn't going to apply too well in the current environment. But it's probably not a good way to do things. If you're an investor, you've invested a lot of money in property. Treat it seriously. Treat it like a business. And um, yeah, no one wants to see a shoebox full of paper. <laughs> so uh, sort of dig into this a bit then, Sonny. What are the most common tax return errors that you see in relation to rental tax deductions? Yeah, it's been on the ATO's uh, target for a couple of years. Um, the biggest ones we see are interest. It's your biggest single claim. Yeah. It is a significant amount of money. Um, some of the errors people are getting there is uh, at the very worst end, you're claiming the repayment, which might be a portion of principal and a portion of interest. So only the interest is tax deductible in that case. Yeah. The other things that some people are doing is drawing down on their mortgage for holiday and still claiming all the interest. In that case, it would have to be apportioned. You know, part would be tax deductible and part would be for personal use. Yep. Um, the other one that I've seen a little bit is people are remortgaging their investment property to pay out their home mortgage. That That's a no-no, that's, that's really naughty. Yeah, no, that's definitely not going to fly. What, what about the, because it's always been a bit of a grey area around claiming costs as a repair rather than as a capital works deduction. Do you see much of that? We don't see a lot of it because we deal with it as it comes in. But according to the ATO, it's one of the bigger problem areas. People are uh, re-roofing their house, for example, and claiming a $20,000 cost as repairs. Um, I think you can safely assume if you spend $20,000 on repairs, the ATO is going to ask you for receipts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, drilling back to the banks then, what bank information will the actually ATO be collecting? Uh, they'll be looking for names, account numbers, interest, loan balances, dates of birth, tax file numbers, and all of those sort of things, just so they can match it with your personal details that you know, are submitted to the bank when you take out a loan yeah. and submitted on your tax return. They're the sort of things they just want to join the dots. Yeah. Ho hopefully join the dots, in some cases not join the dots. <laughs> it's the gaps we've got to worry about. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, if, if there are discrepancies that are identified by the ATO, then what are the implications and, and what's likely to happen for investors from there? Yeah, so if there's a discrepancy, and I've got to say there's a very small number of mistakes that we've identified between the information matching. There, there are a few mistakes. But generally the ATO will write to the taxpayer and say, we've got this information from you, we've got this information from the bank, they don't match up. Can you explain the difference? And they, they give the taxpayer 28 days okay. to explain the difference. Yep. If you agree that what you did is right, you don't have to get back to the ATO. Um, if you want to make a voluntary uh, withdrawal of your tax return and resubmit it, if it's wrong, that's probably the smartest thing to do. Yep. Generally, they'll let you go with either reduced or nil penalties in that case. Okay. I think the ATO is really keen to educate people. Yeah. 
And so in this case, they're going to say, look, if you did it wrong, let's fix it, get it right, move on. And in my experience, most people getting a letter from the ATO are pretty keen to get it right in the future. That's yeah, not, not the sort of letter that I'll be looking forward to, that's for sure, mate. Uh, no, no. So uh, it, given all that context then, what, what do property investors need to be doing to ensure that they're complying with the ATA requirements and avoiding incorrect reporting issues? Yeah, I think a lot of it is what you talked about with record keeping. Yeah. If you do your tax return through a professional accountant, put your cards on the table. If you've refinanced your loan, and taking money out for a holiday or a car or for your residence, just just say so. Yeah, there's a way of dealing with this yeah. uh, before it becomes a problem. So keep your records, do it right, and and disclose. If you're doing it yourself, there's no problems with that. You can do that yourself, but just be careful that what you're declaring is direct costs of renting a house and not costs of um, maintaining a holiday or a lifestyle. I guess. Um, if you're honest, there's always a way to fix things. If you try to hide it, it's it's going to go pear shaped. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, you know, from what you've said, the ATO is going to give people a significant opportunity to actually right the wrong if they've made a mistake, either deliberately yeah. or otherwise. Uh, if it goes beyond that, uh, what sort of penalties might get imposed uh, if if it got to the worst case? Oh, look, most people will resolve it and move on. If if you choose to be obstructive and uh, and, and not helpful. There's a range of penalties that can come from quite significant fines to jail time. Yeah. But this is this is not the sort of stuff that's likely to ever happen for your standard mum and dad investor that make a small boo-boo. Yeah. At at this point, the ATO wants to educate people yeah. and get it right. And you know, by the way, if if you don't engage with them, they can amend your tax return without you agreeing. So they're they're more than likely if they disagree, they're gonna say, Well, we've changed the tax return. Yeah. We've got rid of all this cost. Um, you want to fight us? You fight us. Yeah, it's okay. much easier than jailing people. They say <laughs> we've changed it. That's the result. Yeah. If you don't agree, you take us to court. Yeah, okay, I like it. I like it. Well, that that that's, makes it pretty clear and simple. And as you say, it's an educational opportunity for people to make sure they've got it right. Uh, mate, I uh, really want to uh, thank you for this very timely update as we come into and approach the tax time, Tony, and, and thanks again for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Bushy. Pleasure. Thanks, mate. Well, as you've just heard, as we continue to move into the era of open banking and increasing outside access to all of our information, it's clear that you need to be treating your property investments as a business. So to avoid the risks of incorrect reporting, Speak with a trusted property specialist accountant like Tony and the team at Concept Accounting to ensure that you fully understand your tax obligations, that you keep detailed records, and that you're diligent in your property tax reporting. Keep tuning in to Realty Talk, your property hub's trusted voice for all things property. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Another big thanks to our special guests, Pete Wargent, David Pye, and Tony Dunn. And before we go, make sure you don't miss another episode of your trusted voice for all things property by subscribing to the Property Hub Now on your favourite podcast player or wherever you're listening to the show, where you'll also get to enjoy the Get Invested podcast delivered to you each and every week. Thanks again to realty.com.au, BMT Tax Depreciation, Apero Marketing, DM Media and Southern Cross Osterio for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. And along with Kevin Turner and the entire Property Hub Realty team, please remember that time is what we want most, but what we use worst. That's more food for thought. 
and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 